When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Mark Mears. I'm the founder and chief growth officer for Leaf Growth Ventures, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm joined on this episode by Mark Mears. He's a number one best-selling author, keynote speaker, consultant, and visionary business leader. He has a significant track record of building shareholder value with driving innovation and profitable growth among world-class brands such as PepsiCo slash Pizza Hut McDonald's, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, NBC Universal, and the Cheesecake Factory, which we talk about during this conversation. His new book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder, is the focus of our conversation today, a productive one at that. So let's get to it because purpose can really power productivity. It all starts with the story of a, of a, of a tree, but we'll get to that. Here it is, my conversation with Mark Mears. Enjoy. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. It's funny, we're, we, whenever I have a conversation with somebody, we were just chatting about, you know, football, uh, the, the, our sensibilities around business purpose. We're going to get into that today. Uh, productiveness versus productivity, leadership versus management, all that stuff. But one of the things that I did right out of the gate with you, Mark, was I shared a photo of a a plant that, and I'll put this in the, uh, I'll, you know, I'll link to it in the show notes. We'll figure out a way to do that. But you can see the photo of like all of the, the, the dead brush beside this plant. And then like this one leaf, that's just real. This one plant that's really thriving. And it literally, what's interesting about what I showed you, Mark, was that this, this plant had, has now like five or six leaves on it. And it was, and it's, it's going, it's shooting to them. It's, it's, it's taking root and taking hold. And your book, The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from Leader to Legacy Builder, That's I wanted you to share why I shared that photo with you because it's literally one of those things right out of the gate with the book that you talk about, this this idea of of growth. So yeah. can we get into that right, right out of the gate? We certainly can. Um, and I love seeing that plant because, uh, and, and the fact that, that it, my book triggered your thought process makes it now real. Right. Yeah. And so, so often we walk along and the old adage, sometimes we don't see the forest through the trees. Well, I had an epiphany one day and now it was uh, February 21st. I think it was 2013. I was living in the Los Angeles area at the time. And that's about the time we start seeing the first signs of spring. Um, and after a, a, a life event that uh, I won't go through right now happened, um, I then took the dog out the next day and we had a fig tree in our backyard that was barren from the five or six or seven weeks of winter that we do get in Southern California. And Mike as God is my witness as the sun was coming up over the wall in our backyard, it shone on one branch of that fig tree, this tiny little green bud of a leaf just starting to emerge. And it was there I got this epiphany of a leaf is a symbol of growth and rebirth. And 
I thought back to my high school science days where we learned about uh, xylem and phloem and the, the, the fact that uh, all growth of a plant or a tree happens through the leaf, through the miracle of photosynthesis. So I got to thinking, I took the dog inside and went into my office. I started banging out a treatment about leaf as a symbol for growth and rebirth. But then in my mind's eye, I also saw there was something missing with the mantra that I had been leading with this thing called the rule of threes. If you do three things and do them really well, you're going to get the maximum impact. So my mantra was leadership, engagement, and accountability. And if we do those three things, the brand I was working for at the time, I was president, and we had a big turnaround in front of us. I said, we're going to turn the brand around. We're going to put a new um, brand positioning and a new menu because I was working for a restaurant company. And we're going to achieve our goals. And it was leadership, engagement, accountability. So over the course of two years, my management team and I and our 10,000 team members and all of our restaurants, we, we walked by that. And I use it as reward and recognition. And instead of the corporate entity that owned us at the time, putting the capital behind us to grow, which is what they promised to do when they recruited me from the Cheesecake Factory as chief marketing officer, they decided to move in a different direction. They decided to sell us. So that moment, that dark moment, that life event I'm talking about came the day after I was let go and my whole team was wiped out after the new uh, company came in. The deal closed on a Friday, Monday morning at eight o'clock. I have a meeting with the new CEO and then I'm out the door. So the thought occurred to me, something was missing in that, that, that kind of leadership engagement and accountability triumvirate. I now believe in the higher power of fours versus the rule of threes. Because what was missing as I looked at that little bud was fulfillment. Yeah. That fig tree in my backyard only knows how to be a fig tree. And it fulfills its purpose by bearing fig leaves, where all growth happens, as well as fig fruit. And in that fig fruit, it serves as more than sustenance for people and animals. It has seeds that can then be scattered for future growth. So I started working on this treatment and the four circle Venn diagram now included leadership, engagement, accountability, and fulfillment, all revolving around purposeful growth. You know, as you were talking about that, I couldn't help but think about Ted Lasso, the show Ted Lasso. You've seen it? Have you seen the Ted Lasso? Have you seen it? it? Yes. And by the way, he's from Kansas City. Yes, I do. I knew that barbecue sauce <laughs> um which by the way my son and i love that we i watched it once and my son and i watched it together and he fell in love with it too but the four remember in that show for spoiler alert everybody um at the mm-hmm. end he talks about the four things that they they need to do as a team and they couldn't figure out the fourth thing for the no one knew what the he goes i don't know what it is but when we see it we'll know what it is um i'm not going to tell everybody what it is you know what it is mark i know what it is because we saw that you saw the show we're going to keep it quiet you have to I go watch the show them. but it's interesting because I think there's a common commonality there when you talk about the four thing, you know, the idea of leadership, engagement, accountability. Those are very, for lack of a better term, like they're hard, they're concrete, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? Like those are yeah. things that you could, again, and we talked about, yeah, we talked about at the, before we really started recording, like, I don't like using the term productivity because there's like this hard, very quantifiable kind of superseding quality, this lack of like forsaking quality to a degree or, or pushing quality down for the sake of like, Hey, we can measure this stuff. It's very easy for us to measure these numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Quality is a little bit trickier, right? 
Um, when you yeah. add fulfillment to the mix, just like when you add, you know, the idea of productiveness, which is a term I like to use rather than, because productiveness preceded the term productivity, when mm-hmm. we weren't as concerned about making a lot of stuff, we were more concerned about making a good amount of stuff well. So craftsmanship, right? So the Persig talks about this in his book on quality. He talked about it in Lila, all that stuff. When we talk about fulfillment, like, and as I went through the book, I noticed that accountability kind of like there was this 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 um, linkage between accountability and fulfillment. That you, how does someone take that fulfillment, especially when they're so used to like measuring numbers and quantifiable stuff? When someone's trying to to measure this stuff, fulfillment is there is there a way that you feel that fulfillment can be kind of grokked into a measurement tool that somebody who is so used to yeah. or working for an organization that is faceless, nameless, that is asking for this, like we need to see these numbers. How do you kind of make that happen? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's some great statistics that um, I found that support the idea of purposeful growth, which is my thesis, not just growth, because anything in you know, a weed can grow. But that fig tree has a purpose to grow into a fig tree and be the best fig tree it can be. Well, it can only do so if it's planted in the most fertile environment, right? a nurturing environment that helps it grow. So my parallel to that is a culture in an organization. Every one of us um, needs to be in an environment that allows us to grow up into the very best me I can be or you, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, um, you know, you use the word uh, productivity that you didn't like. Um, and so I believe words matter as well. So my thesis is that I want to put the human back in human resources, right? right? And to do that, I think all we need is love. Now, not the kind of love that's going to get you a quick call from HR and escort out of the building. Fair. But it's an acronym, which stands for LISTEN observe, value, and empower. Until the zombies or the robots or chat GPT takes us away, we're all still humans and we all have basic needs, as Maslow told us years ago. We all need to be able to be, you know, feel seen and heard, right? So observing somebody or or first of all listening to them, um, not only um, you know, what they're saying, but even what they're not saying. You know, through COVID, uh, you know, there was a lot of anxiety, as you can imagine, and there still is, uh, even post-COVID, about whether it's a looming recession, whether it's, you know, um, inflation, whether it's war, um, you know, you name it, right? So when we come to work, you know, we're whole people, and we need to uh, feel comfortable being in a place that gives us an environment to be our best self. And there's a lot of talk and a lot of work being done on mental health these days of stress and anxiety uh, in the workplace. Well, someone is not going to be as, you know, they're not going to be as productive um, if they're going through stuff that people don't understand. So if you're a leader, not a boss, a leader is a title that you earn every day. A boss is just one that's given to you that people then dutifully salute and execute without any relationship being formed. But a leader wants to form a relationship with their team member, not employee, but someone who physically 
is a member of a team. And, you know, listening to them as a whole person, I believe there are four kind of areas of our realms of service. When I say who you serve is more important than your why. And no offense to Simon Sinek, but I believe we have to start with who. Mm-hmm. And there are four realms of service. There's, you know, relational, spiritual, personal, and professional, right? So we take all, we need to be able to be comfortable taking our whole self into the workplace. And if we do, and we understand our purpose, and then we're allowed to grow up into our purpose, uh, it's going to take um, away a lot of the downside of quiet quitting or the great resignation, which I call the great repurposing. Mm. Because I believe COVID gave us all a bit of a time out to reflect deeply on not only what, but who matters most in our lives. Right. Let me just throw out a few stats to you. Sure. This comes from the science of purpose. A individuals with a connection to their purpose have a 63% increase in wealth, leadership, effective, effectiveness, and fulfillment. They learn twice as much, are four times more engaged, and get this, are 175% more productive. That's almost two people worth. Now, it goes the other direction with companies having a connection to their purpose, experience higher margins as purposeful firms have proven to be 30% more innovative. 73% of customers will switch to higher purpose brands and pay more for them. And they're also getting higher levels of retention and tenure and have 54% more fulfilling work relationships. So if you want me to quantify fulfillment, I think I made a pretty good case right there. But let's look at the other thing. What's the cost of having to replace a team member? It's a lot. You got to go back through the whole process of recruiting and identifying and hiring and Uh, training and recognize rewarding and retaining. And then if that cycle gets broken again, you got to start all over. There are some tremendous costs that are on the balance sheet. I mean, labor, if not cost of goods, one of the two is usually the highest item or line item on a P&L. It's also one, it's also, it's a controllable too. The problem is is that's one of the first things you're right. Like, I mean, I remember when I worked, at Costco, it was like, you want to keep your payroll around 33%, no higher, no lower. And 33% is pretty high. Like, we, you want to keep it as low as possible. But the problem is, is churn can happen. Like, you know, I mean, and and for me, yeah. really quickly, when I worked in the food court, because that's the area I was in charge of, it was the highest churn uh, area in the building because nobody wanted to work there. Nobody wanted to be serving. They wanted to get out and the work on the floor and stuff like that. So what ended up happening? Who ended up having to work mo- more hours? Well, it was me. I had to work a lot, and that it was fine. It was fine because at the time my purpose was I I really wanted to be the best. It, I wanted to have the best run department in the whole building. So that was my that was what filled me at that time. Now keep in mind I was in my 20, I didn't have a family, any of that stuff yet. That changed. When that changed, all of a sudden, my desire, and, and what was interesting is it wasn't just my desire to run that department. It was my desire to even work for the company any longer because I felt like I was being left out in the cold. They're like, well, no, you, you know, your payroll's too high. It's our, We're going to move those people out. So it wasn't even something that I could control. It was something like, we're going to get right. these people out of here. We're going to bring new people in. You got to train them all over again. And that can become tiresome and it can drain the very lifeblood of what brought you to the, the dance in the first place. Right. 
No, absolutely. And, and a large chunk of my experience is in restaurant, hospitality, retail, and entertainment. And uh, they're very people-oriented businesses, and there are a lot of hard work. And so you, you couple that with, you know, long shifts, uh, dealing with people um, on your feet uh, all day. And uh, yeah, it's, it's easy for someone to say, um, um, no moths, I'm yeah. done. And, and bounce and go somewhere else where they can get a couple dollars an hour more or whatever. So the point about creating a community, which I believe is a better word than culture, because culture is merely a place you might just feel like you bol- or you you um, are part of. Mm-hmm. A community is a place you may feel like you belong in. Right. So when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we should, we're making some progress, but we need to make a lot more. When you think about it, you know, diversity just gets you in the room and inclusion gets you a seat at the table and equity gives you an equal voice. And all those are great, but they don't mean anything if someone doesn't feel like they belong. Right. And they don't then feel vulnerable enough to give their very best. They don't want to rock the boat. And so that doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't help either uh, that team member or the broader team. The collective organization. So when you create a community where someone feels like they truly belong, and I've been blessed to be part of some really, really great ones, um, with the Cheesecake Factory being arguably among the best, uh, Pizza Hut when it was owned by PepsiCo, great organization where we really had a community feel. And we worked our butts off, but we felt fulfilled in how we were uh, living our purpose at both work and life. Right. Connecting those two, to me, are a much more fulfilling objective than just pulling a shift and getting paid every other week. And I think what's interesting is I've noticed that people who stay in the role that they're in, they, first off, I think, and this is an interesting, this might be a bit of a sidebar, they say they don't really have a choice, which is not necessarily true. Everything's a choice. They're just making that choice, right? But they, it's like they, they, um, Again, quiet quitting. You're talking about like quiet quitting is not new. (laughs) People are like, oh, quiet. It's, it's, I mean, you could argue that it's the bare minimum. It's phoning it in, but that's happened forever in, in, and it's not necessarily, by the way, it's not necessarily a community or cultural thing. Sometimes it's just the person that just like, that's not their, their job is to go in. They want to make money so they can spend time with their family. I have a friend who, by the way, still works for Costco. Great guy. Um, was a groomsman at my wedding. Um, he is a forklift driver. He got promoted to forklift driver when he moved to the Costco that we work at, the, that he works at now. It's still sometimes I, even though it's been 15 some odd years since I worked at Costco, almost 20, I still sometimes go into that mindset because I was there for a long time and it's, it, there was, it was fulfilling work. Um, he has been offered promotions, et cetera, et cetera. He is ve- quite happy to work his early morning forklift ship, get on the forklift, do it. Why? Because he wants to spend time with his family and that's he, he, it's a means to an end for him. And there's going to be that. What's, what's fascinating to me is when those that want more or feel like they are, the, they, they don't get it. They don't, because the, the, the company or the corporation is so driven by something else that eventually it drains those individuals out. I know lots of people that have worked for organizations that stick around for a long time. They move up, they, they, and eventually that dries that purpose, that fulfillment dries up. So how, how does an organization, um, 
or a bit, if you're even if you're running a smaller business or even if yourself, how do you try to sustain that level of fulfillment that that community over the long haul as much as possible? Because I think that that it, 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 I know it can ebb and flow, but I think sure. the propensity to go, especially when you have like somebody new come in and go, okay, well, it's now about the bottom line or it's about the shareholders or what have you. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you quote balance that? How do you create harmony that's going to allow for that kind of stuff to still maintain and sustain over the long haul? Yeah. You used a great word, harmony and balance. And I think that is the, the key within this leaf growth model. It is four circle Venn diagram where they overlap. Right. Right. And there's a balance to it. Um, but you have to start with leadership. And, and if you go back to that metaphor of a plant or a tree, let's say, um, leadership represents the seed in the root system. So if you know much about trees, um, I don't know a whole lot. I've learned a lot since researching and writing this book. But like an oak tree has a root system that splays out underground that is at least the width, if not more, than its canopy. Mm. Well, that's how they grow strong and tall, right? So if you have strong leadership in an organization, I break that down into four C's. Clarity of your purposeful vision, mission, and values, right? That's got to be at the very foundation. And, And those have to be unwavering, and they have to be inspirational for people. But then you have to connect them to your business priorities, and you use the word shareholder. Well, uh, I believe we should call them stakeholders. And I believe there are four, mm-hmm. okay? They're your team members, right? They've gotta be bought in. They're your customers, clients, guests, um, the end user of your product or service. Um, they will feel good, as I mentioned, um, switching to higher purpose brands and paying more for them. And then there are your business partners, which could be shareholders if you're publicly traded, but they could be franchisees or whatever you're in your business ecosystem, whoever, you know, distributors, uh, suppliers, et cetera. And they have to know what you stand for so they can support you with their resources. And then there are your communities. They could be your local community where you do business. It could be your country or it could be around the world. But when team members feel like they're plugged in, uh, as I just mentioned with the science of purpose research, um, it, it, it has a higher level of retention and tenure because they feel like they're part of a community that um, allows them to be part of something bigger than, than just themselves. Right. And when you have that community um, and it's well-established and people feel like they're a part of it, they're not just seeing you know uh, the vision or mission statements on a wall and saluting as they walk by, but they're seeing that firm live it every day that's how you can sustain um, the, the the community feel longer. And people would be like, yeah, I could get a couple bucks an hour more, or maybe, you know, if you're in the corporate world, X thousand or somewhere else, but why would I leave this? Right. And if I get growth opportunities, right, if they don't just stick me in the same job and I have opportunities to learn, opportunities to learn and grow, now I'm feeling like um, I'm, I'm, I'm growing at work while I'm able to now grow outside of work. Let's talk about um, the idea of, you talked about like slowing, like when you saw that fig tree leaf, that was a moment of like slowing down and just not, I find, and I'm going to link to another episode um, that we talked about nature and getting into nature with Darren um, um, that we, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, But this idea of, I think we, 
And this again goes back to that idea of productivity versus productiveness. This pace, this speed, this this yeah. desire to just go, 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 fast, 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 now, now, now. When you hear about growth, that it's almost like the qualifier, it, the purposeful part. People are like, "Ugh!" But that takes that's going to take too long. It doesn't seem like again. It's that quality thing. Like, well, wait a minute. This is we need to do this in the next thirty days, not in the next thirty years, right? Like, because there's there's this mindset of like, I want. I want it now, not I'm willing to wait for it, right? So how do you how do you keep those that are in that that role of building the community and sustaining it from falling prey to this go 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 fast 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 now 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 idea of growth? Again, the, let's use the metaphor of the weed versus the tree. Yeah. You ever garden, you know what grows faster than anything else? It's the damn weeds. And they're the ones that are choking everything else out, right? Yeah. And then yeah, there's absolutely. other elements to which it's it's also fascinating when you think about and I I, I I look at this book by Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings, right? The idea of the rose bush. Sometimes you gotta prune roses that could grow so that the other ones can flourish, right? So not yeah. every so there's there's all of that to keep in mind when you're talking about it in the idea of business where you've got these these people running are like, ugh, this just seems so hard. So challenge. Why can't we just do it this way? But we know inherently that it's not the best way. Why? How do we keep from falling back on those bad habits or those bad concepts or ideals? Well, I think you know it's, it's a, a well-worn adage: is people don't lead um, companies; they lead bad managers. Mm. And so it comes back to the leader of an organization or a division. Uh, to really balance that idea. Yeah, we have to get the work done. At the end of the day, you know, we've got our goals to hit, but how do I create an environment where, um, you know, you, 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 you don't, you know, feel like you're on a treadmill, mm. you know, you feel like you're, um, you know, walking and, you know, getting um, the craftsmanship of the quality of work done while we still can get the widgets out the door. And I think there's a there's a bit of an art and science to it, but it, it really comes down to relationships. Again, we're all human. And if you have a team leader who is more human and distic and has uh, a more empathetic leadership style versus just command and control, uh, you're going to relate better and you're going to want to work for them and deliver your best quality of work for them. Right. But also taking back that idea of who you serve. You also remember we're whole people. So it's spiritual, relational, personal, and professional. So go back to the personal part. You have to know yourself. There are some people that are wired to be go, go, go all the time. Mm -hmm. They're the hare in the tortoise and the hare story, right? Yep. And there are some people that are very plodding and thoughtful and deliberate, but they, they come up with great ideas. And they may be the, the tortoise in that. Uh, you need both. You need a blend of them. Right. And you have to figure out who you are and what resonates most with your style. And you have to be able to be open and honest with your leader uh, as to what motivates you. So you, you, if you have that and they have a listening ear back to that idea of listen and observe, value and empower, the love idea, then you're going to have the ability to balance the idea of productiveness with quality craftsmanship and professionalism. Do you think it's also, and again, I go back to the Costco idea of less is more in a lot of ways. They don't have nearly as much stock in there. I mean, look at, look at even, 
and again, I have obviously some experience in the in the food service industry. Yeah. Uh, look at like In and Out, Five Guys. Like we only have these menu items, and this is what we have. And I think in some instances that allows for that to thrive, as opposed to we've got to add this and this and this to the menu. And again, to your point, I guess I just answered my own question: Who are you serving? What are you ser- like? What's the right? Well, you start with who are you, too? I mean, again, I worked as the chief marketing officer for the Cheesecake Factory with over 300 menu items, um, all almost all made fresh from scratch. Uh, spoiler alert, the cheesecake is not made fresh Here in the go. restaurant. It's brought in from two different facilities across you know, the, the U.S. Um, but it, it's, it's amazingly complex. But who they are is a very over-the-top, immersive dining experience. Yeah. And and they get the guest check. They get people waiting an hour and a half in line because you want that full-on experience versus a in and out. Um, and they've got, you know, a couple different items and they've got lines out the door, right? Yep. So you have to know who you are and who you serve. And then um, your, your, your complexity uh, needs to be removed so you can accomplish that well it, to the it, best of your ability. So it's 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 interesting as as we get close to wrapping up here. Having ran food courts in three different Costco's, um, either you know as the guy who had a lot of experience or ultimately as the leader, Jim mm-hmm. Senegal, the old CEO of Costco, that would be the place he would stop. So interestingly, when I was working in all those buildings, uh. The warehouse manager, that was the most, I would say, intense time that they would pay attention to that department was before a building opened because, or if Jim was coming, because Jim would invariably pay a trip to the food court. And if the hot dog, if the food court was running well, then he'd be like, okay, well, this is a, this is indicative of how this building is running. Because he knew that it was the one that was kind of like the afterthought, right? Yeah. And I remember, I've heard stories, I don't know this for sure, but from colleagues that uh, when Jim stepped down, he told the new CEO that if you ever change the price of the hot dog and soda pop, I will expletive kill you. And that's a story I've heard. I don't know, I can't corroborate if it's true, and I may be paraphrasing, but the idea of knowing, again, knowing, he was, I mean, I loved just interacting with him because in my brief interactions, because he, his, some of his adages, he would say his pursuit of perfection is stupid. We want excellence. You know, he was very ground and he's still involved. Obviously he's got the winery and stuff that they still do, but he, he got it. And he was a leader that we all bought into. Like you could, like when you watched him present, he got it and he paid his team, like Costco's invariably known for paying their employees very well, great benefit packages. So I think that was a good example. And when I interviewed um, um, Michael Gerber, we were talking about the idea of the E-Myth. He goes, Costco's a good example of, of turnkey. Like they knew, like once you know what that is, that's why Costco, like you go into Costco and you want to buy some ketchup, you're buying Heinz because that's all they serve. And then you've got three options, small packets, big can, Three pack. You don't like that? Don't like Heinz? You're not buying. Co- you're not buying ketchup. But what you will buy are those jeans that are on sale because we didn't. Again, decision fatigue. We didn't inf- enforce your decision. Or, or sorry, we didn't. Um, we didn't. We didn't put so much overwhelm on you that you were able to. Oh, I don't like 
you, the decision fatigue wasn't a factor. Cheesecake right. would be, the, the thing is for the cheesecake factory, you're going there for cheesecake. Like, you know, <laughs> yes, you're going to have to choose which one you want, but guess yeah, what? There's the only next, 30 varieties. Right. The next, but you, you, <laughs> if you want to go for cheesecake, what is the first thing that's going to come to mind? The cheesecake yes. factory. That's where you're going to go, right? If you're going to go to Pizza Hut, what you want pizza? Well, who serve Pizza Hut serves pizza, right? And they do yeah, it right. damn well. So it, I guess as I'm getting close to wrapping up here is this idea of not losing sight of that. Like not like the power of you stopping and looking at that fig tree or thinking about like those bigger picture ideas of like the love acronym, like this idea of pausing, of slowing down, which seems anti productive or counterproductive, but it's some of the most productive things that we can do, not just in a leadership role, but I think when you're, in, in the trenches too, like it's okay to, you know, slow, take a pause, take a beat because it's going to help you make a better decision and serve yes. those who you're meant to serve. Right. Yeah. We had a, a phrase it was, uh, you know, go slow to go fast. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, um, I think Pablo Picasso was quoted as saying inspiration exists, but it must find you working. So the point is, you got to keep your eyes open, your ears open. You got to ask a lot of questions, um, and and you know, be curious. And if you are, then all of a sudden these patterns and possibilities will come to you, as this one did, uh, because I allowed myself the space and the time uh, to 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 see something in a different way. So we all have heard the phrase, you know, sometimes we can't see the forest through the trees, right? Well, it's true. We get so caught up in the weeds um, that we we don't give ourselves the space and the time to be able to to see things through a different lens. And when we do, we're often able to see something more clearly and build upon uh, the beauty of, of something that may exist and make it even better. So, Mark, as we wrap up, um, first off, the book is called The Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to grow from leader to legacy builder. Where can people pick up the book and where can people learn more about how to develop their purpose and make sure they're uh, growing in a purposeful way? I know you've got an assessment and stuff on yeah. your website that you want to share. Yeah, that's great, Mike. Um, first of all, the book is available in a Kindle ebook or hard uh, cover or paperback on Amazon. And um, again, it's the Purposeful Growth Revolution, Four Ways to Grow from leader to legacy builder and it's mark a mears and then you can go to my website at markamears.com and as you mentioned mike right there on the home page um, you can take a free purposeful growth self-assessment takes about five six minutes but when you're you want know, when you've completed it you can immediately download a customized report with your results and so look at this as a benchmark to see where you stand on this concept of purposeful growth not only in your own life, but maybe in the organization uh, that you uh, you work in, right? And so it goes through the four sections of my book. And then also, I would love it uh, if you would link in with me um, and, and we can connect and keep our dialogue going. I'd love to get acquainted uh, with your listeners and uh, learn from them as well. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time today to have a productive conversation with me. I thought it was very productive, Mike. I really appreciate uh, you and your perspective. And thanks again for uh, allowing me to come on as your guest. 
Big thanks to Mark for joining me for this conversation. You can find all of the relevant links, show notes, all that stuff at productivityist.com slash podcast 493. And what's really good is if you're using a podcast app right now, you've already see those show notes in front of you, but you may not have subscribed to the podcast yet. If you want to find past episodes really quickly and you want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of what's to come, then I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, whether you're using Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. What have you also done to support the show? Well, what you can do is you can check out the sponsors that you heard on today's episode. Just go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to make that happen. I'm about to make the end of the show happen. So thanks so much for joining me this time around. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.